Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me again today. I'm glad you're back this week because we're going to do some back-to-basics coaching. It's been a while. Okay, so the other day I was waiting in line to pick up an order at a coffee shop, and I overheard two people talking. It sounded like they must be coworkers. One of them had just interviewed a potential new employee and said that the person showed up late for the interview and was saying, you know, like, showing up on time is one of the easy things. You can always control that. Why would you show up late for a job interview? And the other person in the conversation said, well, no, that's not true. Not everyone has the ability to be punctual. Some people just aren't wired that way and they can't be on time. So it was really interesting because the person who is explaining that being late is something that you can't control if you're just one of those people was just sort of like patiently explaining as though this were a fact. And the other person didn't really question it, kind of, you know, went, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. I guess some people just don't have the ability to be punctual. So this is one of those mixed blessings of having completed coach training pretty much anywhere you go, anything you're doing, you're bound to pick up on someone explaining to someone else that they can't possibly accomplish A, B, or C because of X, Y, or Z. So the blessing part of it is that if you hear other people work through things, it's actually good for figuring your own stuff out. And it's even more so when you've had some training. But the not such a blessing part is that most people are not looking for coaching and they're not ready to abandon their current belief system in favor of one that places a whole lot more responsibility on themselves. And you can't coach someone unless they want to be coached. So most of the time, it just remains an internal exercise of, oh, look what that person is thinking and look what it's creating for them. That's kind of like when I'm thinking this other thing and I'm creating something I don't even realize. Good to know. Now, the things we're believing aren't necessarily cold, hard facts and are sometimes creating fantastic things for us. I have a belief that it isn't hard for me to close my charts as I go in clinic for at least 80% of the visits, and the result that creates for me is that I get my charts done before I leave clinic every day, I don't take charting home with me, and I rarely leave clinic more than 30 minutes later than my scheduled end time. And by the way, those things are all available to pretty much all of you. Now, if you're having a strong urge to explain to me why I'm wrong about this because your clinic is different or your specialty is different or your patients are different, guess what? You've got some limiting beliefs and we're going to focus on those today. And by the way, I have limiting beliefs too. We all do. I have a belief that I'm bad at getting gifts. I have a belief that I can't understand the details of my retirement accounts. So we all have these things. The first step is learning how to recognize a limiting belief. As I was just explaining, it's easier to recognize them when they're happening to someone else, and you can practice with that. Now, don't try to share that with them. Just notice it and learn it. Here are some of the hallmarks of a limiting belief. One, you believe it is possible for other people to accomplish, but not you. And it doesn't have to be just you. You might think that some people can do this and some people can't, and you're in the can't group. This is sometimes referred to as special snowflake thinking. You have the belief that you're somehow inherently different from other people in an unalterable way. Number two, it feels like this is a fact. 
Number three, if someone tries to challenge this alleged fact, you feel compelled to explain it to them, often with lots of evidence to back you up. And number four, having this belief excuses you from accomplishing the thing. It might even excuse you from trying the thing. So I'm going to stick with that charting example just because I know it riles people up and that's kind of fun. We're not going to go into the details since I've already done more than one episode on that. Just the examples of limiting beliefs that it can bring up for people. And by the way, there are coaches out there who focus entirely on EMR efficiency. You can hire someone to work with you one-on-one and coach you to get your charting done well and fast. I haven't ever interacted with any of them, and I imagine they come with various types of backgrounds and approaches, but I can tell you with certainty that the ones whose clients are successful definitely start with the thought work, because it's not likely you can get dramatic results without thought work. So again, we're not going to talk about the actual efficiency part, but the limiting thoughts that are creating the inefficiency. Here are some of the big reasons people tell me they can't get charting done efficiently. And as always, reasons is in air quotes because they aren't true barriers. They're just things you're choosing to believe right now. It starts with, well, no one can finish all their charts as they go. Well, that one's easy. I just told you it's not true. There are lots of people who can do this. Okay, but getting them done fast means sacrificing quality. Nope. I can show you really excellent notes that clearly communicate the content of the physician-patient interaction and can be done fast. In fact, oftentimes the quality of those fast notes are way better than the long ones because they've eliminated all of the note bloat that's completely unnecessary and just reduces the chance that anyone's actually going to read the note. So the next limiting belief is, well, that might work for some specialties, but not for mine. Yeah, no. I guarantee there are docs in your specialty seeing about the same number and acuity of patients as you and getting their work done efficiently. And then the last layer that usually surfaces is, but I can't because blank. And then they'll explain how or why they are simply unable to do whatever aspect of this that they think they can't do. Can you hear it? I hope so. So the first step, again, is just recognizing that something is a limiting belief. Recognizing that it is not an actual fact, it's just something you currently believe. The next step is becoming aware of how it's holding you back. The third step, and this is the hard one, is to want to change the limiting belief. Sometimes we have a really hard time giving these up because as long as we believe it to be true, we're off the hook. You don't have to experience the discomfort of trying something and not succeeding or just the awkwardness of trying something new and unfamiliar if you don't try. And you're definitely not going to try if it's a foregone conclusion that it's impossible, right? So keeping the limiting beliefs equals protection from discomfort. Of course, our brains are going to cling to it then. So this is where the real work is, putting the effort into making your bulletproof argument to yourself about how the discomfort you're currently living in because of this limiting belief is definitely worse than the transient discomfort of fixing it. Once you've sold this idea to yourself and you're definitely on board, the next part is easy. You make your stepping stones to bridge the gap between the limiting belief and the new one that you want. And the absolute easiest part is the new actions. If you change the beliefs, the actions will follow. 
We haven't done stepping stones in a while, so let's do them for all those arguments people give about why they can't be efficient with charting. So they're currently over on one riverbank with their belief that it's impossible for them to chart well and efficiently in their specialty and current practice model. Then you go to something like, there are some people who can do this. And then you go to, it's possible I could learn or change things and somewhat improve my efficiency. And then it's possible I could become someone who charts efficiently. And then I'm determined to learn what I need to learn and change what I need to change to make this happen. And then I will practice and revise until I reach my goals. And then I no longer need to take charting home with me because it's done at the end of the day. Now, you notice how that last stepping stone isn't a, I'm going to, I will anymore. The last stepping stone is, I have achieved this. It's really important that your last one gets you over the finish line. Use something like that as a basic building block, and you can add and subtract as needed based on whatever arguments your brain is throwing your way. The change in actions will happen stepwise as each new stepping stone becomes a belief and is nice and solid. Some limiting beliefs will have big impacts on our lives, especially when it's something like, it's not possible for me to be on time. If someone believes that, it's likely they're pretty constantly dealing with repercussions of being late for things, and sometimes those things can be big, like losing a day of vacation because they missed their flight and there wasn't another option. Sometimes they're minor, but even those can be insidious and have more of an impact on you than you might imagine. So when I was training for the marathon over the summer, I had a really bad problem with blistering on my toes. It just kept getting worse and worse. And my PCP sent me to a podiatrist. She figured out the cause of the blistering pretty quickly and we got it fixed. But she also evaluated my gait and my foot mechanics and recommended some custom orthotics to correct some things that might lead to arthritis in the long run. But not until after the marathon, because it wouldn't be a good idea to bring something like that in so late in training. Well, the new orthotics came in the other day and I had my visit to go over how to gradually taper up with them, which was a surprise for me because I've worn over-the-counter orthotics for running on and off for years. And those you just throw in your running shoes and you go. Well, not with custom ones, it turns out. So these I was supposed to start with only one hour a day, only for standing and usual ADLs at first, no exercise in them, and then increase the use time by only one hour at a time, etc. And the whole process could take up to six weeks before I'm ready to run in them. I immediately had a list of reasons why this wasn't going to work. Well, these have to go in something like a gym shoe, and I don't always wear gym shoes at work. And how am I going to stop in the middle of the day and trade out insoles in my shoes? And a few other things along that vein. Luckily, I have enough practice at this that I could see this is a limiting thought, and it's creating a whole bunch of chatter, and I just need to shut it down before any of this comes out of my mouth. Of course, I am smart enough and have enough creativity that I can figure this out. There's actually nothing hard about it. It's just a limiting thought spurred by that motivational triad, seek pleasure, avoid pain, conserve energy. In this case, it was the last one, the conserve energy part. I'd have to tweak my current habits and routines, and it would require a tiny bit of energy to figure out those details and make the changes. But clearly, I much prefer the long-term result of no arthritis in my feet, so this one is really easy to just shut it down. And that happened in a matter of seconds. Haven't we all seen this from patients? 
you prescribe a med that has to be taken daily on an empty stomach. And the patient says, but I get up at six and I eat right away. And then I shower and get ready for work. And I have to drop the kids off at school. And I'm usually drinking coffee with cream in the car while I'm doing this. And then by the time I get to work, I'm just too busy. It seems really obvious on the other side of it, doesn't it? Just flip flop your breakfast and shower. But in the moment, that person can't see it because they're being blocked by this limiting belief because the idea of changing a morning routine might be a little scary way back in the back of their mind. It's usually not because someone's trying to be overly concrete with their thinking or obstructionist. They're just blocked. They just truly can't see it. Sometimes, in the right situation, we might even be able to help by offering a solution that'll work. Sometimes they're too dug in and any solutions we offer will be countered with a reason why it won't work. In that case, occasionally the dreaded, but if you did know the answer, what do you think it might be? Question can come in handy. We might suggest, okay, well, let's just imagine for a second that you figured out a way to make this work. And now you've been taking the medication on an empty stomach every day and it's going great. How did you do it? I'm not saying, of course, that we just barrel ahead with a treatment plan, even when a patient has objections. Obviously, it has to be a two-way discussion and decision, and sometimes we agree with their reasons, and we have to help think up a different plan. I'm just offering this as an option when it seems likely that this is just a tiny limiting belief, and it's doable, and someone just needs a little nudge. Okay, I think that is more than enough for today. In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about an action-based approach, and one of the side effects of that is that it can help you combat limiting beliefs. So thanks for joining me, and I hope to see you back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.